in this week's market update. Shares rally on hopes for fewer interest rate hikes, commodities turn down on recession fears, and all eyes turn to the upcoming earnings season. So the first half of 2022 is now in the bag and few investors will look back on it with any fondness. It's been the worst first six months of the year for the S&P 500 index in America since 1970, and most other markets have fared badly too. The US's blue chip index fell by just over 20% from January to June. A broad-based bond index was 10% lower over the period, and some commodities are sharply down, with copper, a kind of bellwether for economic activity, down about 15%. The NASDAQ index, which includes many of the shares hit hardest by the rising interest rate environment, has fallen nearly 30%. Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency, which many hoped would march to a different beat than the stock market, is down 60%. The downturn has been across the board, with the exception of energy-related commodities such as oil and gas, up 40% since the start of the year, and some agricultural resources. Both have been beneficiaries of the war in Ukraine, which has cut supplies of Russian energy exports and key food staples from Ukraine, such as wheat and cooking oils. Everything else has fallen as investors have run for cover. Unusually, the environment has been bad news for both shares and bonds, undermining a key investment strategy, the so-called 60-40 balance fund that invests across the two asset classes. That's largely because the principal driver of the post-pandemic bear market has been inflation, and inflation is bad news for most assets. Fixed income hates it because it eats into the purchasing power of both your capital and income, which, as the name suggests, is fixed on bonds. Shares can handle relatively low levels of inflation because companies have a certain amount of pricing power. But high inflation is a killer for shares, too, if it leads to an economic slowdown or recession. And that's the new fear as we reach the halfway mark. Having worried through the first half year about unexpectedly high inflation and the rising interest rates that have been its consequence, investors are now turning their attention to the growth side of the economic equation. Rising costs for businesses and reduced spending power for households have closed the door on the post-pandemic economic recovery. Other areas which depend on a buoyant stock market have also taken a beating. So-called special purpose acquisition companies, or SPACs, which offer a quick and easy route to market for private companies, have fallen on hard times. An index which tracks these vehicles fell 25% last month. Ordinary flotations, or IPOs, have also been put on the back burner as private companies have changed their mind about coming to such a difficult market. Volumes of new issues have fallen 46% in the first half year. Well, that's the bad news. The good news is that, as the expression has it, the market gets the news first. When the market fell 21% in the first half of 1970, it went on to gain 26.5% in the second half and to squeeze out a rise for the year as a whole. No one is suggesting that it's going to happen this year, but it does suggest that markets are very quick to price in bad news and will be quick to do the same when the outlook on inflation and interest rates starts to brighten. Indeed, since the beginning of the second half of the year last Friday, the outlook in markets has turned up. The US ended last week with a 1.1% rise on Friday for the S&P 500, 
And with Wall Street closed today for the Independence Day celebrations, Europe has played catch up with both the stock 600 and the FTSE 100 indices rising. Evidence is already mounting that the monetary squeeze, which has so spooked investors in the year to date, may not actually be delivered. No sooner had the market started to price in the likelihood of interest rates in the US rising to 4% in the current cycle than the implied terminal rate fell to 3.5%. In other words, the markets are now counting on the Fed being unable to maintain rates at a level which allows the central bank to squeeze inflation out of the system without causing such damage to the economy that they're forced to backtrack. That might not sound like the best of news, but when the market has fallen as hard and as fast as it has, it doesn't take much to restore some order. Investors don't mind bad news as long as it's no worse than they expected. Measures that point to a lower growth, less inflationary, lower interest rate period ahead include yields in the inflation-adjusted bond market, which have fallen back sharply in recent weeks, container rates for shipping out of Shanghai, and the price of commodities and commodity-sensitive stocks, such as miners. With the benefit of hindsight, it now looks like the recent high point for the 10-year US Treasury yield might have represented a good buying opportunity for bond investors. When inflation does start to come down, and with other markets volatile, investors may well look at a 3% income alongside a more or less guaranteed return of capital as pretty attractive. The US government, let's face it, is unlikely to default on its loan obligations. So investor sentiment and expectations have turned lower. Where the market heads from here will now depend on what actually happens, both in the economy and for corporate earnings. The fall in the multiple of earnings that investors are now prepared to pay for shares, the P-E ratio, has now fallen by around a third in the past year. That's closed the gap with expected earnings and made valuations look reasonable again. But, and it's a big but, that argument depends on company earnings actually being delivered. And we won't have long to wait to see if that's the case. The reporting round for the April to June quarter is about to begin in the US. For now, expectations remain that earnings growth year on year will stay positive, but we'll see. Currently, just over half of companies in the S&P 500 have lower earnings expectations than they did three months ago. But that means that half are the same or higher, and it could also mean just a modest slowdown in earnings rather than a reversal. There's still a lot to play for. And whether or not we do experience an economic and an earnings recession matters, because on average, a recession-related bear market sees a 35% fall in share prices compared with a non-recession related bear where the average decline is 22%. In other words, if we can avoid recession and lower earnings, then the first half correction in prices may have done the job and markets can stabilize from here. If recession and lower profits are around the corner, then share prices may have further to fall. A 35% decline from the January high for the US market would see the S&P 500 at about 3,100 compared with today's 3,600. The peak was 4,800. One red flag to keep an eye on might be the spread between the yield on high yield corporate bonds 
and those on safe government bonds. This always widens ahead of a recession because investors fear the consequences of an economic slowdown on the number of companies defaulting on their loans. The current spread is about six percentage points. That remains well below the level reached in 2020 at the start of the pandemic and at other times of market stress. So one to watch. Over here and in the rest of Europe, growth concerns are significantly higher than in the US. And having fallen off the radar during the pandemic, one of the key reasons for slower growth in Britain, Brexit, is gaining more airtime, not least because for the first time in a long while, the Labour opposition is starting to mention the issue again. Leader Keir Starmer devoted a speech to it this week, although crucially, he has stuck to the line that Brexit is done and will not be revisited under any future Labour government. The main challenges caused by Brexit are reduced availability of overseas workers, which is driving wages higher in the UK, and more red tape and cost for companies looking to export or import from and to the EU. Neither issue looks like going away. So stagflation, the mixture of sluggish growth and high inflation, looks like remaining an issue for the UK as much or more than any other country. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.